What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. So hi, everyone. We're officially kicking off season two of Football Americana with DeAndre Yedlin, uh, one of the first homegrown players in MLS with Seattle Sounders, U.S. men's national team veteran now, experienced with a long European campaign, and now back in MLS with Inter Miami. And it's actually interesting. I was talking to someone today about culture and the meaning of culture, and they were pointing out that, you know, culture is not so much about words or concepts, but it's very much it. Or indicative of the people who are involved in, in whatever mm-hmm. culture you're talking about. And when I mm-hmm. look at, you know, your resume and kind of who you are, I just think you're such a big piece of American soccer culture. So I'm really mm-hmm. excited to delve in with you. And first, let's start a little bit with your upbringing. You know, you came up through the youth scene in Seattle. So talk to mm-hmm. us a little bit about your youth soccer upbringing and kind of how you first fell in love with the game. Yeah, so um, I'd have to say the, the first time I really got introduced to the game was... Um, with my uncle. Uh, I was raised by my grandparents. Their child also is um, my uncle. And, or I kind of look at them as like a father figure, I guess. And he, he's nine years older than me. So just whatever, at that point, whatever he did, I wanted to do. So if he went to the gym, I'd want to go to the gym and work out. If he went to hang out with his friends, I'd want to go there. And he actually brought me a lot of times, which was great. But I remember he was really into soccer growing up. So um, I wanted to get involved in that also. And my grandparents signed me up. And from then it was just, I mean, I was always, uh, quite athletic. So, um, I just love sports in general. I played a lot of sports growing up. So I played baseball and basketball and I ran track, played football in high school, but soccer was just the one that stuck. Yeah. Just, uh, just continued sticking with it. He actually grew out. He got a kind of a little bit bigger body and then kind of moved into American football. So, uh, yeah, so he started doing that, but I continued with soccer. So what what was it about soccer? Was it, you know, did you know you were good kind of early on and that's why it was soccer for you? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, in, in a lot of sports I played, I was quite good just because like at a young age, I was quite athletic. So you know what it is for younger kids, usually the most athletic ones are the ones that do well when you're younger, obviously, as you get more and more into the game, things get a little bit more tactical and things like that, then some players start fading off. But I was always quite good when I was younger. So of course that, that helped me uh, stay with it. But I don't know, it's, it's just something that it just felt so free to me. You know, it's such a free flowing game. There's not a lot of things that stop it, like timeouts and things like that. It's just so free flowing and um, could really get a good run around, especially when I was younger. And um, I'm sure my grandparents loved it because, you know, they could get rid of me for for an hour or however long we played back then and just let me run around and get tired. So, yeah, I come home exhausted. It was perfect. For them. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, great. So, you know, fast forward a little and, and you were one of the first homegrown players to be signed in MLS, which looking back now is pretty amazing. So I'm curious to hear you reflect a little bit about what that felt like at the time and kind of how you've seen that system evolve within MLS since you came up through the ranks. Yeah, no, it's it's incredible. I can uh I can pretty vividly remember actually um speaking with who's still now my agent, speaking with him at a place called uh Wally Waffles in Akron in my I think it's in the winter of my sophomore year or sorry, sophomore year of college. And he was just kind of going through who he is, da 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 da, kind of selling the company and then 
stuck with him and then um, went over the contract stuff. And I remember just looking at the contract and thinking like, wow, like it's amazing, but it's funny to, you know, look at that contract and then compare it to, you know, my experiences with contracts now, but it was incredible. I think more than obviously money or anything like that, it's just the opportunity to, the, to play in front of friends and family and like be at home. You know, there's something really special about being able to obviously do what you love, but also do it in front of, you know, the people that you love. That was huge for me. It was a really great, great time in my career. It's just super excited. There wasn't a lot that went wrong, to be honest, at that point. So it was just, yeah, it was a, it was a really nice time in my career. Yeah. And I, I can appreciate that. I similarly started my professional career at home in New Jersey. Home, again. And okay. It is so yeah. special as a young pro, yeah. especially when you've quote unquote yeah. made it for the first time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and you kind of created a good segue because I do want to talk about you very soon after that. We're not so close to home anymore, yeah. but you know, all the way right. across the world. But right. was there a moment in your youth playing career or a coach who spoke to you at one point where you kind of thought, you know what, like I'm going to be a professional? Was there a specific time um, when that dawned on you that it probably would happen? Not that I can, not that I can, th- I mean, most coaches that I had kept me pretty grounded and I'm a, I'm a pretty grounded person in general. So, you know, there, I never really got ahead of myself. I, there's definitely been a couple of times when I've been professional where I've gotten ahead of myself, but I think at that point I was still, or was, I, I'm still pretty, still pretty grounded. Um, not that I can think of off the top of my head, but there may have been something, but yeah, just not that I can remember. Yeah. yeah. Well, so let's kind of transition to when you you first went overseas to England and talk mm-hmm. a little bit about that adjustment. Did you feel prepared for that? Were you kind of caught off guard? What, what were some things that maybe surprised yeah. you about the transition? Yeah, it was interesting. So like, obviously being home, um, you know, I could call my mom and say, you know, you want to have dinner tonight or call my sister and say, hey, let's go chill. Let's go to the movies or whatever when when I was playing at home and it was very comfortable you know I was basically in the city that I'd grown up in my whole life so I, I knew it very well I knew the system I knew the club I knew pretty much everything about the city there was to know and then boom I go overseas to England obviously it's not a different language but there's it's a different culture different lifestyle things like that and I'm and I went alone so I was 21 at the time um yeah, I was 21 at the time. Uh, it's like, right, six months after the World Cup, I think, had happened that I went over. And I went over in the winter, first of all. So it was after the MLS season, but in the middle of the Premier League season. So that, first of all, was a really hard adjustment because I was kind of coming off an off season a little bit, like a three-week or so break where I was trying to get back into fitness and I was joining in with Tottenham, which were at full speed. They were in the middle of their season. Um so in that way, I wasn't prepared. Uh, coming into it, I didn't realize how fast the game was over there. It was so much faster than I'd ever seen. There's obviously international game, but international game's a little bit different. The, the Premier League is just so, so fast. So that took a bit of adjusting to. And then um, just life in general, just going over and learning how to be alone, you know, learning how to really make way by myself, even as little as going to the store and getting groceries or, you know what I mean? How to open a bank account over there and things like that. And they have people that help you with that stuff, but it's still, it still was so new for me. You know, I, I was thinking it was kind of going to be go over there and I'm just going to basically just have to try to learn a little bit more on the pitch and then I'll transfer well, but it's so much more than just on the pitch, you know, even probably 
a lot more than people think it is. It's you're basically starting a whole other life, you know, over there in a different country and they do things differently than we do. So um, that was really, really difficult for me. Yeah. And I'm smiling as you're saying this. I, I went and played in Sweden at one point, so I completely oh, yeah. so you know. can understand. Yeah. But, and I think often about what I wish I would have known or, th- or kind of, I wish my mindset would have been a little different before yeah. I left to go. Is there yeah. something you wish you could, if you could go back and talk to yourself, is there something you would have done differently or was it just, you had to go and learn and figure those things out? Um, I mean, obviously hindsight is great, but I, I think I needed to go through what I went through to become the person that I was today or that I am today. I definitely made a lot of mistakes when I was at that point. Um, but I think the most important thing is I grew from them and it took a while to grow from them. Um, but there's a, there's a really good point in my career where I kind of just, I don't know what, but a a flip switch. And I just grew up and I was like, Whoa, this is what I'm doing wrong. I need to figure out how to correct this. And kind of from that point on, I kind of saw my career kickstart again. Um, because I know like after the world cup, you know, I was on a high going to them or, into the MLS season again on a high and then got to Tottenham and it was like, I hit a wall. And like, I think I had one appearance there in the six months that I was there. And it was just like, you know, it was, um, it wasn't, I'd never experienced that before. So I didn't know mentally really how to handle it. Um, so yeah, I made, made some mistakes on the field and off the field. But again, I think the most important thing is just that I learned from those and, uh, grew into a what I think is a much more mature person than what yeah, I got it's, it's amazing how in a I think especially in sports you know your career you never hit smooth sailing like nobody ever mm-hmm. does the second no. you think you have and you're on to the new exciting thing then then reality hits and it's, yeah. it's tough again yeah. and so you know let's talk for a second now about your shift to Turkey I'm particularly interested mm-hmm. to kind of delve in a little bit to the fan culture because you know the yeah. Galatasaray fans um, yeah. for those of you listening yeah. who are not familiar they're known for being like really intense and my yeah. husband actually works in soccer media and, and did kind of covered the the fan culture there. So I'm curious to hear your take on, I guess, comparing and contrasting the various places you've played and what that fan culture is like, like, was that, did that strike you right away when you were there? How did you feel playing in front of those fans? Yeah, I think it, it didn't uh, hit me too hard when I was there, but just because I knew about it. I think if I'd gone in and not really known what I was, you know, I obviously had been in the game for some years then. So I knew Galatasaray, you know, had a crazy and amazing fan base. But yes, they are. They're very intense fans. They expect a lot out of the team. They expect a lot out of the players. Um, you know, it's the biggest club in Turkey um, and the most supported club in Turkey. And it's it's kind of one of those things where, and I'm sure you've experienced this as well, is, you know, when when you're doing well, it's like you're, you're, you're a king. You can't do wrong. You can walk on water, basically. But... If you don't do well, it's like you are so low. You know what I mean? And mentally, I, England England was a little bit like that as well, but there's a little bit di- different expectations from where I was playing. I was obviously with Newcastle and then, well, the times that I was really playing, obviously I was at Tottenham, but I didn't really play. Uh, Sunderland and Newcastle, which at the time that I was there, you know, they were fighting relegation battles. So the expectation was obviously you know, that we stay up and you have to win certain games and things like that. But if, you know, you lose to Manchester City, people aren't, people aren't incredibly upset about it. You know what I mean? It's, oh, that's expected. Whereas at Galatasaray, you're expected to win every game, you know? Um, 
And if you don't, then, you know, there, there's problems. So yeah, it's, it's great though. I, I really enjoyed it because it's a different side than I had seen before. I don't know that for me, the timing of it was right because I had my daughter in September. So that part of it made it a bit tough for me because mentally I just really like, I really wanted to be there for my daughter. You know what I mean? And I didn't want to be going through ups and downs and all of this. So that I turned off my Instagram and all just, just to make sure I wasn't focused on, make sure I put things in perspective and my daughter was first. And then obviously football was after that. And you know, but that, that was tough for me. And I think to really play there, you know, it's, it's a place where either, I mean, you have to be incredibly, incredibly, incredibly uh, good to where mentally you don't need to, you know what I mean? You don't even have to focus to be that good. Or you have to be in a place in your life where, you know, you're ready. That's, that's the number one thing, you know, that's the, there's nothing else before that. And for me, that was difficult, like I said, because for me, family has always come first. And especially with my daughter coming and something I had never experienced before, like the kind of love that I have for my daughter. So I was like, I, my daughter has to, it has to come first. There's no other, you know, option. And mentally it was a little bit hard to weigh that. Yeah. Was she there with you in Turkey? She was. So she was born in Istanbul, actually, wow. um, in September, um, which was, again, an interesting experience. My girl. So we were in England and three days before we found out we were leaving for Turkey, my girlfriend found out she was pregnant. So that was in oh, wow. January. <laughs> yeah. So then we moved. So we moved to Turkey and it was I, I remember my girlfriend being a little bit nervous, like, you know, what's healthcare like over there and da 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 da, and like, you know, being nervous about having a kid over in a, in a you know place that we, we don't know a lot about. Um, but it ended up being pretty good. It was, uh, it was pretty smooth and smooth delivery and everything like that. And daughter's healthy. So that's all I can ask for. Yeah. Congratulations to you guys. That's, Thank uh, you. I have Thank two you. young ones, so I totally okay. can appreciate and appreciate to the mental shift of now what happens on the field is no longer the most important yeah. thing that runs your exactly. day. Exactly. So yeah, we, we could have a whole podcast about that, but, um, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. You know, I'm really curious, do you think there's anywhere in the U.S. that even comes close to what you're describing with the fan culture where it's really like that intense either side of you're doing well, you're not doing well? I don't. I don't think so. And I don't think in any sport in the U.S. there's anything that comes close to that. In the U.S., you have a restart every year. So in the U, there's no relegation. There's no promotion in any sport. So, you know what I mean? You even take the Patriots with Tom Brady, you know, when, when he was with the Patriots, if, you know, if they lost one year, it's like, okay, we're ready to go again next year. You know what I mean? Whereas, you know, when I was at Galatasaray, we were not doing well in the first half of the season and we were closer to the bottom of the table than we were to the top. And then it's like, whoa, can you imagine if Galatasaray were to go down? Like that's a, that's like history. You know what I mean? For the wrong reason. I don't think, I don't think there's, any any kind of I don't think there's anything like you know the 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 type of pressure that is on and I'm not saying just in Turkey but in England maybe Spain whatever whatever I think just simply for the fact of promotion relegation and and those sort of things I don't think there is anything that matches it in the U.S. as far as like fan pressure and, and crowd pressure and things like that maybe a Super Bowl or you know things like that but I don't know no, but I do think that's really interesting commentary about why it matters so much and that we don't even have that in other sports here. Cause quite often I think, oh, well, 
we're just not that developed. Like MLS isn't that old, but right. we do have, right. you know, people are diehard, whatever fans right. and other sports more so than right. here, but it's true. It's that like, Oh, your team has a bad season. Well, you come back right. next year and you Start get again. a crack yeah. at it, but yeah. you know, it's not like that. Everywhere. Exactly. Um, exactly. That's, that's very interesting. And something, you know, I hadn't thought of, I think a lot of people wouldn't have considered that, but you've yeah. literally felt the, the anxiety yeah, yeah, yeah. of it. No, definitely. And, and, and that's also coming from somebody who I've, with Newcastle, especially we were in relegation battles, you know what I mean? So I've really felt that pressure of like, you know, if you go down, it's not only you going down a division, but the club losing money, the owners losing money, potentially different players leaving, you know, it's a, it looks bad on the city. And so it's like, it's a whole uh, array of things. You know what I mean? It's not, not just for your resume, but for the resume of the club as a whole in history. And that, that, that goes down in history. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's a, it's a different, different kind of pressure. Very, yeah. Very, very interesting. Um, so, you know, yeah. now, now you're obviously back in MLS and playing against your first club uh, on the 16th. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what's that been like for you? You know, talk a little bit about MLS and how it's different than from when you left. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's developed so much. You I mean, you see the kind of talent that they're now able to attract to the MLS um, and not just older talent, but younger talent, you know, younger players. I think that's, that's the most impressive thing for me is that, you know, they're getting guys 24, 25 years old who could easily be off to Europe, but you know, they're deciding to come and play here. And, you know, it's amazing. Um, you know, and just the, the games that I've played, you know, I've been really impressed with, especially the opposing teams of, you know, tactically how they are organization wise. I mean, I think when I was playing, there's, there's always technically good players in MLS, but sometimes the organization just wasn't there. Um, but tactically, I think, you know, teams are getting better and better and it's way better than when, than when I was here. So it's really good to see. Yeah. Who are some of the young, uh, do you have some names that we should be watching out for some of the young talent coming up that we need to follow? Let me think young talent in the MLS or on inner Miami. Uh, either. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're with, you're with the new team every day. Is there somebody we should be watching this season on your team? Um, I'm a, I'm a really big fan. His name is uh, Edison as I think is his last name. Uh, we call him Eddie, but he, he's had a little injury. He's, uh, he's 18, 18 years old. And I think when he gets a, when he gets an opportunity, he'll, uh, he'll impress some people. I've been, I've been really impressed with him. Great. Well, we'll be, yeah. we'll be looking out now. I yeah. got, I got yeah, uh, yeah. tabs saved. Yeah. yeah. Um, Good. Cool. So, um, you know, what's it like playing for Phil Neville? Obviously you have a little bit of a connection of maybe understanding the like English way. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that, mm-hmm. if that helps or yeah. what yeah. you feel like about that, but what's it been like yeah. so far? It's been great. I, I've really liked it. He's, he's kind of given me a leeway into just kind of coming in and being a leader um, you know, along with some other guys and allowing me to give my input, you know, sometimes you get coaches who are incredibly stubborn and, um, you know, won't basically let you give any input, but, um, you know, I speak a lot with him about, cause I, you know, from what you feel on the field, I'm sure as you know, what you feel on the field and what you can see from, you know, a drone or, uh, cameras on the side of the field is a little bit different. You know, there's the, the feeling of it matters as well. So, um, just to give kind of a player's perspective on, you know, kind of what I feel and what I think could help us and, you know, what I think we're doing well. And I, I think he really takes that input to heart. And, um, you know, it's good to know as a player, I, I like to have a coach like that because, you know, it just shows the trust that he has in me and in all of his players, really. 
to allow that conversation to happen and to maybe make changes depending on you know what the players are feeling. So it's been it's been really great. It's been a really great start. Obviously, we haven't had the greatest start, but I think once we sort a few things out, you know, get a couple of players back, um, you know, get a full squad, get a healthy squad and, and really, really mesh as a team, then, um, then we'll do a lot better. Yeah. So, you know, I, I like how you talk about your kind of your role as a veteran and how he's opened the door for you to give that input. Do you have a specific example of something you've brought to him that, that he's listened to like within the team? I think people, this is something yeah. that I think all those of us who play on, on, teams like know the exact kind of stuff that happens every day that kind of feedback but I think it's interesting for people listening to hear like what's an actual real life example of something you might bring to him and say hey we gotta look at this or do this differently I mean so for for instance today and this wasn't just me but it was some of the other players um you know we were working on throw-ins and there's one thrown um where we just we just go short and then we have a center midfielder you know hook it in behind pretty basic you know what I mean but obviously the center midfielder is right-footed that is supposed to hook in behind it's on the left side um and we have a left-footed center back so we were or left-footed uh left back and it was it's not really realistic for the center or for the center mid to have time to take a touch in that situation and our own third to take a touch and then hit it with his right foot so we said why don't we just have him switch you know what I mean why isn't the center mid take the throw with the left back play in the center for the throw in and hook it with his left foot, just little things like that. And again, that wasn't just me, but we were just talking about it and saying, no, I don't know that this is realistic for the game. Let's see if we can change it up a little bit like that. And it's things like that where, you know, sometimes the coach just say, no, we're doing it my way. And this is the way that it's going to go. And I think as a coach, sometimes you do have to do that. So you get that respect from players and they realize, you know, you know, you're going to buy into what he's saying. But on the flip side, I think it's important for players to, be able to feel like at least they can give that input, you know, and I think at the end of the day, that really helps players learn and grow also because they're always looking for things that maybe could be changed or, or that, um, you know, maybe could be fixed that the coach might not see. Yeah. And this is so interesting because so many things you're talking about, I think like all of us in the game know exactly. Yeah. You know, our yeah, own examples exactly. because so I'm, I'm right now, um, the general manager for the, uh, Gotham FC, the New Jersey oh, NWSL wow, nice. team. Nice. Yeah. So something I've actually talked a lot with the coaching staff about though, is just this, it's like, how much do we empower the play? We want to hear from the players. You want to empower right. the players to have right. like a say in things like that, especially if it's something on the field, like if it's not working, you need to right. hear from them, but also right. then, you know, what, what's, you know, it's the coach at the bottom line. What's his exactly. job Levelers. to say, no, yeah. that's my way. So exactly. it's, it's always, I can imagine the battle for a coach to have that good balance. So oh, 100%. 100%. Uh, it's helpful though. Balance. If you have yeah. good leaders like like yourself yeah, exactly you trust exactly exactly that's that's the main thing and also you know you don't like one thing i learned is you don't come at it and say you're wrong like the way that i want to do it is right it's hey maybe we can we try this or can we try you know what i mean it's in a respectful manner and like i said he's been he's been he's been great and really open to uh to different ideas while also you know sticking to still how he wants to play as, you know, as a whole. So it's been really good. It's been really good. I've enjoyed it. Great. Well, shifting a little bit over to your national team career, I saw your interview about your tattoos, which is really cool. Um, I'm not a tattoo person, but I really could appreciate where you're coming from. So I I saw that you have a tattoo uh, to memorialize your debut with the, um, in the world cup. So was that always, I'm really curious to know, like, did, was that always your goal? Like, as a soccer player that you thought you were going to be in the world cup one day, did that kind of just hit you by surprise 
What was that, I guess, that experience like and, and the lead up to it in your mind about, you know, how hard you had worked for that or maybe just kind of fallen into it? Yeah, I think it was, I think it was a subconscious goal. I don't know if that makes sense, but it wasn't a goal that I was telling myself every day. I want to play in a world cup. Like when I was younger, I want to play in a world cup, but I think it was a goal just from being a soccer player that I think it has to be a goal. You know what I mean? I think it's, if it's not, then it's, uh, I don't know. It's just one of those things that that's kind of the pinnacle, obviously winning the world cup is, you know, the pinnacle, but um, you know, to, to be able to play in a world cup is, uh, is I think one of the pinnacles in any soccer player's career. So I think it was a little bit of a subconscious goal and one goal that I just always kind of had in my mind, but yeah, as, as far you said about being young and the build up to it. Well, no, I was just curious, saying? like to, to what you spoke to, I was curious, like, is that was something that was like written on your, in your journal yeah. as a kid or something no, or if it no, just kind of yeah. was part of. I mean, I think as I got, as I got closer and closer. So I think in you, my first national team camp was, uh, under 12, like an ID sort of camp. And then I wasn't with the national team again till I was, till you 18, um, was actually with Caleb Porter was the assistant coach. And that's when he recruited me to Akron as well. So yeah, it wasn't until I was 18. And then really the next competitive one wasn't until the under 20 world cup, which was actually in Istanbul or in Turkey. And we played in Galatasaray stadium. Wow. But, did you, did yeah. you ever think you'd be back there as your home? I stadium? swear. <laughs> I swear. It was crazy. And you know what? I didn't even realize it until I was on my Instagram and I was going down because I was deleting a bunch of pictures and everything like that, kind of re- restarting. And I saw that one. I was like, wow. Like my, the caption is from 2013. The caption said, uh, what a stadium like Galatas- Galatasaray stadium or something. And this was when I was in Turkey. I was like, oh my, I forgot we played in this stadium. Like it's, it's unbelievable, but yeah, it's, I guess everything comes full circle. Uh, yeah. but yeah, that was, that was wild. Um, but yeah, to go back to it, it, once I got closer and closer, like once I started being a little bit more involved with the national team, then I think it was a goal that I sort of wrote down cause it was definitely achievable. But as a kid, it wasn't something that I was writing down on the walls and things like that. It's just kind of back there in my mind thinking, Oh, it'd be, you know, it'd be great to go to the World Cup. Yeah. So how has your role changed on the team over time? You know, I heard you talking about how all of a sudden, you know, you find yourself as you're helping out the younger guys when you just were the younger guy. Yeah, Um, yeah. Kind of talk a little bit about the evolution of who you are within that team. I came into the team, I think when I was 20, I think is when I first started with my first January camp. Yeah, I was 20. And then I was super young guys like me, Julian and John Brooks. And there was a lot of older guys on the team. It was a quite quite a veteran team at that time. So you know, I who were some of the older guys at that time? Like uh, kind of Tim Tim Howard, Clint okay. Landon was involved. At that yeah, time. it's helpful for us to kind of conceptualize yeah. what, what time period that was. Yeah, Jermaine Jones was there at that time. Beasley was still Beasley yeah. was still yeah <laughs> Beasley was still there. But anyway, so you know, I remember there sometimes we're in camp and like those guys are going out to get a maybe to get a drink or, you know what I mean? Go to dinner and uh, get some wine or something. And, you know, we're in the U S and me and Julian and John still aren't old enough to even get that. You know what I mean? So it's like, there was such a, there was such a big gap between us and then between the rest of most of my families and wives and kids and things like that. So it was a little bit difficult to really connect and don't get me wrong. I think those guys did a great job of bringing us in over a couple of camps and made it really easy to just be confident and, you know, going into your thing. But I know as a young player going into, it, especially a group of veteran players, it's, it can be a little bit daunting. 
obviously now is like a complete switch where, you know, there's a few veteran guys and then mostly a lot of young guys, but it, I mean, I guess it's what you classify veteran as, you know what I mean? Like you look at Christian Pulisic, how many caps does he have? How much experience does he have with the national team? A lot more than, you know, uh, I don't know how 20, is he 22 or 23 or something like that? A lot more than 23 would back then, you know what I'm saying? So is he a veteran? Tyler Adams, is he a vet? You know what I mean? Like it's, I guess if a veteran is by age, then um, we don't have a lot of veterans, but if a veteran is by experience, those guys have a lot of experience. Um, I think with the not with I don't say the national team, but with in the US, there's like we're still getting used to the idea of a 22 year old being not a young player. You know what I mean? In England and I'm in Europe, you know, 22, 23, you're starting to come in and you're not really considered a young player anymore. You know, that's more like 16, 17, 18. Those are young players in the US, probably because of the college system. Um, you know, we're used to Oh, he's 23. He just came out of the draft and he's 23 years old. He's a young player. He's a rookie in the MLS. Um, but those guys aren't young players. They're really, they're experienced players that have done a ton already in their careers. You know what I'm saying? So for me, my role is just try to be a leader and, and be there when I can for the guys, you know, the, whether I'm playing or not, it's to try to have the best attitude I can. I know I've, you know, I've spoken with Greg about it and, you know, I know there's going to be times where I'm playing and there's going to be times where I'm not playing, but, you know, I know that a lot of them look up to me and respect me in a way. And I think if I show, you know, a positive attitude and I'm always pushing and, you know, always showing that I want the best for the team, then a lot of those guys will follow. So, you know, that's, that's kind of been my role and just, um, you know, kind of be or do whatever I can for the team to help them win. Yeah. And it's interesting to point out, you know, it is a young team, but it doesn't mean it's an inexperienced team. Inexperienced team. Exactly. Yeah. Um, exactly. How I'm curious about this and I've asked a couple other players on the team this question, but how, what's your feeling on how close or far you guys are from like a semifinal or final of a world cup? Like what is the gap? Yeah. And, and if you feel like, you know, maybe you're like, we're there, but if you're not yeah. there, what is, what would it take to get there from where you guys yeah. are now? I think, Honestly, uh, probably a lot of people disagree with this, but I think we're very close. I think we're very, very close. I think talent-wise, we are um, extremely, extremely close. Um, I think the one piece that we're missing that you see a lot of those teams that make it to those stages that they have is just playing together for years. You know what I mean? Like, And we're starting to build that. You know, I think that this process started in 2019 or, you know, you look at, Germany and and those sort of teams they've they those Spain those teams or those players when they were at the I mean at the top of the top they've played together for a long time you know seven eight years so I think that's what it takes I think we're on the right path to that and I think once we really have that cohesiveness um, that chemistry that togetherness I think this this group is going to be really 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 scary I think you know I think we can we can already be but there's certain things that we still kind of have to force them to click. And I think when you get to that point, you don't even have to force it. It just does it automatically. And, and, you know, that's, that's what we're shooting for. Yeah. That, that's a really great insight, especially because you've played, you know, with a number of players overseas yeah. to play on other national teams and stuff. It's, yeah. it's interesting to hear, hear from you on that. Um, so I yeah. just have kind of two more uh, general questions and then we'll end with some, some fun rapid fire ones. So okay. get ready. But, uh, cool. but I'm cool. curious, um, I'm curious, you know, we talked a little bit about what, you know, is really special about, or maybe good or bad about the intensity of European football and, and yeah. the 
is there like what makes soccer culture in the U.S. unique in your mind? Is there something about us that makes us special that maybe other places don't have from what you've seen? Or maybe not. Um, We're just behind. That's okay too. Yeah. No, honestly, I think, I think it's, it's a good question. I, I like the fact that we've kind of taken on the quote unquote underdog role as far as world football goes. I don't think I obviously, are you talking, you're talking about the U S team or US yeah, well, just in general, in like general. soccer here. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. What, so whatever I, I, direction I like, you want to take it. Yeah. I like that we've taken that kind of underdog role. I think it motivates a lot of players. And I think now the fact that you see so many players going to big teams and doing well, and it seems that teams are now trusting American players a lot more. And I know obviously when I left, you know, there, there barely was anybody leaving out from the U.S. and going to bigger teams. And now you see <laughs> everybody's going everywhere and I love to see it, but it's kind of like, I don't know. That's there's something that's special to me about that because I think we've, I think it's been a long time coming. I think that Americans haven't got the respect that we deserve in the sport for quite some time. Um, I now think finally we're seeing the respect being given and we're being trusted and we're doing well. We're doing well with that trust. You know, there's players doing really amazing things over there on some, on some absolutely massive teams, you know, that are, that are huge in global football. So for me, that's, I, I think that's, that's really special to me to see that. Yeah. I mean, I, I've seen some of the graphics even with like the Americans abroad and the picture oh, is like full of faces. Crazy. Whereas it used to yeah, be yeah. like three, four players. Yeah, three. yeah exactly. Yeah. No, it's amazing. And I think, you know, with going back to the U.S. team, that's that's one of the things that makes it so interesting as well. There's such a big pool of players. You know what I mean? There's players that nobody's, people have never even heard of, but, you know, are playing in some quality leagues and are doing quality things. And the fact that there's that sort of competition where, you know, you have players doing great things in great leagues and they're still not, you know, able to make it into that final group shows like the the depth of this team now and going forward is, is outstanding. Yeah, definitely. A lot, a lot to look forward to, I think, with the depth. We're oh, 100%. It, it leads 100%. to, it just, I think a momentum builds with that. So yeah, it's very 100%. Exciting. 100%. Um, so kind of last thing here, I'm curious about, you know, you're a part owner of San Diego loyal. Mm. Um, what it got me thinking, do you have a vision for who you are? Hopefully your playing career lasts as long as you want it to last. But after that, uh, are you going to stay involved in the game? Like what's your vision for yourself or do you have a plan? Yeah. You know, I, I actually think about that a lot. And if you were to ask me, uh, a year ago, I would say, no, I'm going to leave the game and completely go on and do something else. But as, you know, as I've kind of been back in the States and seeing, you know, just seeing the growth of the soccer and things like that, I would, I would like to still be involved. I don't know that I'd like to be involved in a traditional role that, you know, people would think of me as like a coach or sport or things like that. I don't, I don't know. I, I'm a huge, I love creating things. I'm a huge creative. I love fashion. I love art. I love music. I love, you know, all sorts of anything that has to do with creation, basically. So I don't know if there's a space for that in the soccer where I'm sure there is, um, but something along lines with that, um, because I do, I really do love the sport, but I think there's, there's still another side of me that wants to kind of let itself out. You know what I mean? And I think if I can combine the two somehow, you know, it would be great. We'll see what comes. I've been, I've been kind of thinking some things up and yeah, just doing some doing some pondering about that, but we'll see what comes up after. 
Okay, well, we'll be we'll be staying tuned to see what you yeah, come up with. Yeah, so for very, sure. very exciting. Sure. Well, obviously, though, I hope your playing career lasts as long as you want it to last. Yeah, 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 me too. We'll see me what too. happens. After. <laughs> um, okay, so we're gonna finish up with some rapid fire. We're calling this okay. a false nine. Actually, there there are nine questions, but there's another one that now I'm curious about that I had taken out. But since you mentioned music and kind of the creative side, uh, okay. who's your favorite? Like, what's the best concert you've ever been to? This wasn't even one. Of, this Ooh, was gonna be one of the concert. questions, kind of, but concert. Uh, to be honest, I haven't been to many concerts, but I, I would have to say the best one just because I think he's an unbelievable entertainer is Chris Brown. Yeah. I just, I think musically and then the whole dance scene, the whole charisma, he's just a, he's a great entertainer. So cool. cool. Okay. That was like a a extra, but we'll go with the false nine. (laughs) Okay. So, um, what all time match? So any match that's occurred in history, uh, or one upcoming, even would you want to attend just as a, a spectator? Mm. Uh, I think the who played in the Champions League final was Liverpool and AC Milan. Uh, when Liverpool came back, I can't Liverpool even, came oh, back. Oh yeah, to, yeah, they come to win. Yeah. And the only reason I say that is because I played with um, Jimmy Traore, who played in that game for Liverpool. I played with him in Seattle, and I would always ask him about that game. You know what I mean? Because it's just. It's crazy. Obviously, I had Rafa as a coach, and Rafa was a coach of Liverpool at that time. So I'd ask him about it as well. So just to hear the kind of things they say about it, I would I would have loved to see it, you know, live and just been right there in action. Very cool. Oh, I have so many questions about that. We'll continue with the false nine. <laughs> um, somebody, you have to pick somebody to take a penalty kick to save your life. Who takes it? Penalty kick. I mean, Ronaldo. <laughs> Probably. Fair. That's a, that's a safe choice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. The first match you remember watching? Oh, first match, like professional or anything? Yeah, anything. Or just anything? Uh, probably my uncle. One of my uncle's high school matches. I don't remember exactly which one, but one of my uncle's high school matches. It would have to be. Who would you have a poster of on your wall growing up? Could be a soccer player or otherwise. If you had a poster. Hmm. <sighs> I don't know that I had any posters. If not, then who was like, who would have been uh, oh, on a poster if you had? I actually did. Uh, Allen Iverson. Ah. I had him on a poster. I was a really big Allen Iverson fan. I think just because of, uh, I was always small growing up. So I think he kind of gave some hope to us, to us uh, small yes. people. <laughs> Showing that you can do it in a professional. Yeah. As a and professional. you also picked a sport that, you know, regardless of body type or skill set or whatever, a lot of different yeah, exactly. types of people can succeed. So exactly. Cool. exactly. Um, favorite stadium you've played in? Mm, favorite stadium? Probably Old Trafford, just because of the history there. Everything that encompasses that club is, uh, it was pretty cool to be able to play there. Yeah, decent choice, decent choice. Um, yeah. <laughs> most intense atmosphere you played in? for any game mm, Galatasaray Fenerbahce yeah, yeah. I, I, I was not too surprised on that one yeah I can't even imagine I can't even imagine be, yeah <laughs> um your favorite pair of sneakers Ooh, favorite pair of sneakers would have to be the Jordan threes really any colorway I mean I love the UNC colorway but um yeah really any colorway at the Jordan threes okay nice nice yeah. uh, your go-to snack go-to snack um how oh, that's a really good question actually and i'm a big snacker i love fruit snacks just like uh, the little i think they're actually called fruit snacks the little blue packs like with the 
different fruits in them or whatever. Um, yeah, those ones, we always have those around. So probably those. Nice. Okay. Yeah. And last one, I don't know if you play a lot of pickup soccer or used to, but do you have a pickup pet peeve if you play? I hate when there's nobody at the game and people celebrate. I really, <laughs> it really pisses me off. <laughs> yeah, really. That's a good one. That's a good and one. <laughs> it, if it's a little one, okay. But some people go a little bit crazy with it. So I really hate yeah. that. <laughs> okay. So for those of you listening, if you ever show up at a pickup game, yeah, yeah, don't celebrate. Don't celebrate. <laughs> yeah, don't celebrate. <laughs> Got it. Well, great. I, I so appreciate the conversation. Um, like I said, I think so much of who you are and your insight speaks a lot to U.S. soccer culture, which is kind of what we wanted to delve appreciate into. That. So, thank you for your time, yeah. your thoughts. I, I definitely have a few things I'm taking away. I'm thinking about. So, really appreciate yeah. the conversation. Oh, appreciate it. Thank you very much yeah. for the conversation. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.